Welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. I'm your host, Joseph Robertson of Coffee Lovers Magazine, coming to you from Conduit Coffee, sitting here with Jesse Nelson. Once again. And Fake John. Hi there. If you can guess who that is, I will give you a prize. I will give you a bad coffee. All right, there you go. As long as we don't spoil it in the next 20 minutes. Can't be giving away the free coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That would be terrible. We are talking today. Talking today? Decaf coffee, darn it. We need more decaf. More decaf. More decaf. No, this is about hacking decaf coffee. I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, we... uh, I went on a tour of the Swiss Water Process Factory in Vancouver. Uh, Me and a... uh, Several compadres. And it was really, really uh, mind-blowing. It was. It's, It's boggling to the mind how scientific... Uh, coffee is it's yeah it's really awesome and um, as you're listening to this the latest issue of Coffee Lovers Magazine should be out right and within it is the article titled Hacking Decaf Coffee right Uh, pictures all sorts of pictures yeah pictures and uh, talk about uh, all the process with Swiss water and all that sort of thing Um, I mean I can uh, you know go over it briefly here but you should check out the full article Uh, it was really cool yeah Ah, uh, that's Cascara. What's well, Cascara? <laughs> well, John. Well, fake John. Fake John. F John. F John. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad he's not here to defend himself. Mm, it's great that he's not here to defend himself. But we still have, yeah. Okay, so decaf. Decaf has a has a real nasty stigma against it. I think most people hear decaf and they're like, oh. But, um, it, and it's, I mean, I, I'd say for good reason, because uh, most, for a long time, most decaf's been pretty terrible, but it's right. been recent years that uh, folks like Swiss Water have, have really refined the uh, processes to, um, I, I mean, the, the process literally is designed specifically to just remove the caffeine molecule using only water, coffee, and char- uh, charcoal activated charcoal filters uh, and it's 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 pretty awesome um, I've had a chance to do before and after cuppings and the difference is often so minuscule as to be indistinguishable hmm. and it, it is a slight difference uh, and I talk about this in the article um, one of the one of the guys who works there suggested that um, the the difference could simply come down to that uh, caffeine itself is bitter, yeah. And so when you remove caffeine, you remove an element of bitter from the coffee. Um, but it's it's to me it's pretty remarkable that that is the only difference, right? Once going through this massive process. But you've you've worked with decaf for for a number of years, then. I have, and I I'm not sure why decaf has such a stigma, other than just people drink coffee because they think they really want the caffeine. You know, it's not a decaf wouldn't be a morning thing to pick you up. Um, but in specialty coffee, our experience is we, we just don't sell very much decaf. Um, well, it's, it, it's more expensive. So higher quality decaf because, I mean, you're buying high quality beans anyways that are going into the decaffeination process. So then there's a whole other level up there, you know, a mm-hmm. whole other level of processing up in Canada. So you're adding a couple dollars onto the pound just out the gate. Right. And then if you get into more specialty 
coffees. It, it just keeps going from there. So it's more expensive for high-quality decaf. So in order to keep the prices moderate, you're buying crappier coffee that go that's decaffeinated. So either, I mean, so either lower-quality coffee is going in right. to moderate the price, or it's a higher price because it's higher-quality exactly. coffee. Exactly. And so we try and move as many people to higher-quality decaf as we can. It really, I mean, when I say we don't sell very much, it's like less than 5%. I mean, yeah. Some months it goes up depending on special orders and things like that. Um, and it, it, it kind of troubles me because if for a specialty coffee or people are just looking for a shot of espresso and they just really, they, they're looking for flavors and they're going to these high end places. Why wouldn't you entertain something that's decaf? I mean, it does, there is a different flavor to it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad flavor and the quality of coffees now that Swiss water, it's 7,200 pounds minimum or 7,400 pounds or something like that for a single batch to go through the Swiss water plant. I think they said their minimum now is 50 bags. 50 bags, okay. That's their absolute minimum, and that's maybe for special people, but... <laughs> right, like Sweet Maria gets a lot of stuff done through them, and so and yeah. I know uh, about this sweet Swiss water. And a bag a is, what, 100 pounds? Uh, usually 150. 100. So it yeah, kind of depends on that would be about your, yeah, right. your estimate there. I wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, as far as as far as the quality, just to interject because um, I had hypothesized in the article uh, just the reason for uh, the stigma because uh, I know I've spoken with a lot of people and um, who who just have this this gut negative reaction to decaf and it's right. gross and and certainly that 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 aspect of using cheaper coffee because it's more expensive process uh, comes into play, but also if you consider that um, the idea of quality coffee itself has really been a recent trend, I think. Right. Uh, through, uh, I talk about this all in the article, and I don't need to go, go into detail here, but um, one of the things we learned on the, on the tour is that it's really only been the past few years that Swiss Water themselves have really refined the process hmm. to be spectacular. So their process has changed? Yeah, in the past, uh, I mean, it's it's been a refining of the process. Right. Um, like they're getting more serious about their processing at the same time as people are getting more serious about the coffee that they yeah, want to come out. Yeah, reducing variables to make things more consistent. Huh. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, there there was a lot of talk of um, uh, water activity level in the bean and humidity and density and all these sort of scientific technical things, but right. uh, um, yeah. Did you ever find in the past that decaf was like difficult to roast or inconsistent or anything like that? Or no, always been? no, I find that it's one of the easiest roasts. Oh, honestly. okay. Like it's it's because well they're higher quality beans, so it's going to be more consistent. Um, and they've been through another level of processing, so there's mm -hmm. another set of eyes, potentially another set of of sorting that goes through that. Um, okay. And so I find that they're really consistent. And you know we don't sell a lot, so we use uh, a pre blended green decaf from Atlas Coffee Importers, and then we buy single origins from various other people. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's it's really consistent. I mean, it and it tends to be a little drier. I mean, there's definitely some finicky things to it. I mean, the curve is a little bit different for sure. It's not the same. Okay. I think that's the moisture content, um, primarily. Have you have you roasted a decaf that's been made using other methods? Uh, as far as like chemical. Yeah. So the, uh, no, we haven't done anything like that at Conduit. I mean, that's that's okay. uh, one of the few things we do. Well, we do bicycle deliveries, and we don't use chemical process decaf. So before Conduit, <laughs> um, yeah, when I worked at a cafe. I worked uh -huh. at a cafe, and we, and it was, it was, uh, it was the put butane process that they used for that, and it was terrible. Uh -huh. Cheap. 
Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. The, it's by far a cheaper process. I mean, mm-hmm. it's totally a subsidized industry that's making chemical right. products cheaper in that regard. And, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily that the flavor is imparted, you know, that chemical process flavor is necessarily imparted into that. I mean, there's a lot of debate about that. I think it's just that you have cheaper coffee and a cheaper method, which lends itself to a cheaper flavor. Mm-hmm. And so you it's think just it's, a laziness. Yeah. You know, it's more of just, you know, if you had really high quality coffee, I bet you could make a pretty darn good decaf with mm-hmm. that. But you're, why would you go to a chemical process and submit, you know, beautiful coffee to that kind of abuse when you could just do a Swiss water around water process? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my, my epiphany with decaf was, what, three years ago? It was Coffee Fest. Okay. Um, three years ago, and it was a blind cupping. Mm-hmm. And it also solidified my interest in blind cuppings. But we... We're tasting the coffees, and one of my favorites on the table. You know, it wasn't my favorite by out, out of all of them, but it was definitely in the top three on the table. And then we reveal, and it's a decaf. <laughs> it's like you got to be kidding me. There's two decafs on the table, and they were both both very very good coffees, nice. um, as they are. And then just a couple months ago, with some of our new single origin decaf, we did a blind cupping here at the studio, and um, a couple people weren't very happy that they enjoyed the decaf most <laughs> on the table. That it, it stood out there, That's and I mean, they we had. And we had our usual coffees that we yeah, have recently. Uh, it was I think we had the tabletop and something else. So that's like, well, yeah, that's obviously a great coffee. This one's really interesting. You know, there's something in this that I find fascinating. And I think, you know, it's that decaf flavor, that sort of nice little chocolatey gingerbread. Hmm. Um, there's something, I don't know. I think that, I think the cafe should try to get around and dial in some of their decaf a little bit better. And Yeah. And just to give, uh, I didn't give an overview of the process, did I? Mm-mm. I don't think so. Uh, just a brief, brief overview. So that the green coffee uh, is put through a process by which um, a green coffee extract is it's essentially soaked in this extract that is chemically almost identical to the green coffee. Right, and they make that by kind of boiling, in quotes, boiling the green coffee to remove those elements, right? Well, remove no. The flavors in the they, batch. Of- well, they have, I mean, they do sacrifice a batch of coffee, but their green coffee extract is actually separate. And they use the same extract for all the coffee because mm-hmm. it consists of elements that are identical in all coffees. And they, the elements that are unique to coffees, um, like specific coffee's flavor characteristics, are not water-soluble. Right. In, in this but case. caffeine is one of the few things in coffee. Um, caffeine is one of the What else things. is water-soluble in we can talk about this later. I, don't uh, I can't remember all the science. So maybe that's where, <laughs> but that's where the flavor changes would be, are the elements that are water-soluble. Water Could be. Um, um, they seem pretty insistent that... I mean, because their green coffee extract has no flavor. Like, it's completely flavorless. Hmm. But it has all the flavors in it. It doesn't. Maybe. It has, it has, it the, has the water-soluble it. components of the coffee bean that, uh, that don't... Oh, oh, of course. So... To fast forward where you're going with this, when they make the extract and they, they put the green coffee with it, I get it. So why did you teach me? Yes. <laughs> I'm excited. So, okay, I so, gotta read this. So article. the green coffee and the green coffee extract. <laughs> I'm not even sure my article is 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 clear enough. I'm still working on it. Um, it's a complex. I thought thing it was out. To, that's right. It is out. I am perfectly <laughs> busting his balls. <laughs> Thank you, Fake John. We're, we're, we're traveling through time in this episode. Cheers. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinatingly complex process that, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not necessary to understand all of it 
to to really enjoy the coffee. But so the caffeine is extracted by osmosis. Osmosis. Because nature This loves is high balance. school biology. I mean this is what's so cool and is then, I remember Mr. Boyer's class. So the, the way the way they make the I mean there there are several fascinating elements to their process. The way they make the green coffee extract, their care in the balance of moisture and water activity, which is a that relates to humidity, if I recall correctly, um, in the coffee itself. Mm-hmm. And their precision with the carbon filter. Because that, that's the real key. Because I think until they figured this out, the Swiss water process was only could only get you about 95% caffeine-free. Okay. Now it's and that's the patented. That's really like their word. That's their, their, that's their thing. It's like their, their secret. I mean, it's not a secret, but their, I mean, their process is secret for making it, I assume. Um, but... Um, the uh, the so the the green coffee extract with the caffeine that's been extracted from the green coffee is passed through the filter and the filter catches only the caffeine molecule right uh, which is pretty awesome and they're able to achieve ninety nine point nine percent caffeine free coffee which I don't think any other method can do hmm. I don't know maybe the mountain process the mountain water process is I mean it's based on the same theory but they're not I looked at I mean I looked them up they're not they don't do the same thing that Swiss water does fake John is shaking his head but it's similar I mean it's using a water process using the water soluble compounds they're not using any chemicals right they're doing something slightly so essentially you have this you have your green coffee that's fully caffeinated and regular and then you have this green coffee extract that has everything in it except for the caffeine yeah right and so you immerse the two together Mm -hmm. and through osmosis or diffusion the caffeine is extracted the caffeine migrates from the green coffee back into the slurry into the, the extract correct presumably they filter that again mm-hmm. so it's right? it's actually so that's adding a lot to the cost when we talk about the extra cost so not only are you losing like one out of 10 or one out of 20 batches of coffee to make that green coffee extract well Imagine, so like what you can't they... just sacrifice one anyway so you but you lose you lose a batch of coffee at least no in the process that, like the because their green coffee extract is constant they, it's like, imagine they have a tank of green coffee extract. Yeah, that's they what they to, use for every single that coffee. Co- that extract, doesn't that come from... So they, they did... So they, sacrifi- they do, they have a sacrificial, it's like four containers, something like $100,000 worth of coffee to make their green coffee right. extract. So that's why it's more expensive, that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's true. That's one of the big but, cost components is they have to sacrifice. Yeah, I just wanted to make it clear that when they bring in a batch of like Columbia, for example, none of that is lost to make the green coffee extract. Oh. They don't use any of the batches that they bring in. Oh. They just have a constant stream of green coffee extract. But wouldn't the flavors and stuff... No. The flavors because those aren't water-soluble. That's right. So, when you say it's scientific, it's very precise as far as... Very mind-bogglingly precise. It's like just what chemical compounds in that green coffee are water-soluble, and Mm. it's pretty consistent across the board. Apparently, yeah. At least varieties of coffee, if not all coffee. Yeah, I guess so. Weird. I mean, the, the, it works. I mean, we taste right. the before and after afterwards. Like, the, the samples they had there, yeah. they're, I mean, they're, the, the first one I remember, there was a slight difference to it, and I couldn't put my finger on it. The second two, I could not tell the difference. So if they're not water-soluble, why do we brew it with water? Well, maybe once it's roasted, it becomes water-soluble. I mean, the Seems roasting like process puts it through a... John, what do you think about that? Yeah, fake John. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, this is all science. is all over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, fake John. <clears throat> that is wonderful insight. 
Yes. Um, so there's no caffeine? No. There, there's uh, 0.1% potential caffeine. 0.1. Right? That's right. 0.1%. You know who you sound like? <laughs> this guy uh, I know. This, this guy that we kind of know. Um, Maybe it's in the grind. Breaking up the coffee bean itself. Well, the I mean, the, the grind certainly... My understanding as far as grinding roasted coffee is you just increase the surface area, basically. But you're also smashing the bean up, too. Breaking cell walls and stuff. It could be. Uh, That's interesting. I I think it's in the roasting process. I'm curious. Because the... the, I mean, this is one thing I couldn't really translate in the article. Is that... um, So, during the process, they hydrate the bean first because it comes in at a 9 to 13% moisture right. uh, rate or whatever. So yeah, it's yeah. pretty darn dry. But they need That's to... That's pretty standard. I mean, in terms of... Green coffee. Moisture, generally. It's pretty standard for green yeah, coffee, yeah, yeah. right? But um, it's like a dry sponge, is the, the uh, metaphor the guy explained. And, and because you have... Um, they need to make this osmosis happen. It needs to be pretty um, accepting of... Moisture, water needs to flow freely, so they have to moisten the green coffee first, increase the moisture level in their green coffee beans. Um, there's this whole, th- gosh, he went he went into this whole thing about water activity that I can't really recall correctly, but it has to do with um, the surface area of the soluble components within the beans. Mm. Um, and that when the, the moisture level is is good, when the water activity level is good, you have all this surface area for the soluble components and the water to attach to those components. Did I get that right, Fake John? I think you did. Thank you, Fake John. <laughs> fake John was there with us on the journey. Um, I don't think anyone knows that, so I don't think I'm giving away who Fake John is. I didn't John know that is. even. Yeah, Jesse, I wasn't really working that day. <laughs> I was hanging out with Joseph in Canada. That's right. <laughs> um... I still get paid, right? That's right. If someone is still listening to this and that gives them a hint, uh, they deserve a bad cop. That's true. <laughs> so I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, going back to the ro- to why um, flavor is extracted from the roasted coffee, I think right. it's the roasting process. I mean, the ro- the coffee is you know exposed to extreme heat in the roasting process, right. and that that has to have an effect on how those components behave. It does Maybe. pop, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, so the, the first crack is, the, is like popcorn popping is the water molecules and moisture essentially leaving the bean. Um, I don't know. I feel like either I should know this and, and it's just common sense that I've skipped over what it means as far as decaf coffee goes. Or... I could go through that presentation they gave us like five times yeah. and learn something new every time. I mean, it's... It was pretty intense. Let's not dwell on this, but let's have a follow-up <laughs> by the next episode. Yeah, we need to get a scientist... Is anyone listening who's a scientist? Can you call in? Thank you. Yes. Before this airs. Before this airs for the next... Episode. Episode. <laughs> My brain just did a time jump. Oh, you got so much work to do, Joseph. I know. Um, so, yeah. I, uh, I've i been making um, a habit of talking to random people about coffee. and uh, <laughs> Homeless adventures with Joseph. It's... I mean, I'm, you know, standing on the bus and no one talks. I mean, I might as well just go, uh, 
why did you get Starbucks? <laughs> I'm uh, giving bags of coffee to people. Yeah. Yeah, they have Starbucks or I'll trade them. It's um, kind of like guerrilla marketing. Just Not that I have anything against Starbucks. That was just an actual event that happened. Uh, but um, but uh, always when the always when the topic of decaf comes up, and and this happened this happened on the train actually. So the train trip, the Thanksgiving train trip. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to the last episode for goodness sake, uh, so that we're not doing this for nothing. <laughs> you sound like you're in Wisconsin. Huh? You sound like you were in Wisconsin. Uh, yes. Oh, for Pete's sake. Oh, for Pete's sake. Uh, is that is that how people talk? Some like bagels and Pete's sake. Bagels. I like a good bagel. Um, no, but I, I was talking to, I was, it was an older couple, and they used to drink coffee, but they don't now, because the caffeine doesn't sit well with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why don't you have decaf coffee? Ah, oh, it's no good. Oh, I like the taste. I love coffee, but I can't do decaf coffee. Right. And that's just a constant viewpoint. Right. I'm running across everywhere. So how do you, I mean, maybe this isn't something to discuss now, but what do we do to change this stigma, right? I mean, you can go to, you can go to a bakery and have, you know, an amazing, amazing pastry of some sort, right? And then you can go to a gluten-free bakery and also have an amazing pastry that's very similar to the same reaction. And you wouldn't necessarily feel ashamed about going there and be like, oh, I don't have any gluten in this, even though you don't have a gluten intolerance. It's just something different, Mm -hmm. you know? So what is... Like, what do we do for coffee to try and... I don't, I don't know if it's a matter of, of education. Is it just not telling I mean, people that you, it's decaf? Usually when I, uh, in, in these cases, like this couple on the train, I told them, oh, no, 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 uh, decaf. Yeah, I mean, I've had decaf where you can't tell the difference between regular. And they're like, oh, really? Well, where, where can I find this? Right. And maybe it's a matter of just opening the door for people and saying, just go try that. Right because it's not going to be what you're thinking. So here's an interesting thing that we've been playing with. It's kind of an idea I've had for a couple of seasons now, but now that we're in the holidays, we've created an after-dinner blend mm-hmm. with our coffee. And it's it's essentially, just to give everybody the secret, it's our winter late seasonal regular coffee blend, um, and then we do 40% cut with a Colombian decaf. Yeah, you have. need a better name than that. Well, that's the name of it. Winter late seasonal 40% decaffeinated. Part of it's even handwritten at this point. That's impressive. Fake John does that. Fake John. Yeah. Hurt, hurt my hand the other day, right? So many bags. Three. Three bags. <laughs> Three bags. Three bags. Nobody buys decaf. Three old bags. All but the whole point is to have a nice <laughs> bag of coffee that's great for after dinner coffee. You know, after dinner where there's just not as much caffeine. Uh-huh. But you have the full flavor. Yeah. So you take something that's really light and fruity and spicy and nice with our Winter Lake and you add this really wonderful kind of gingerbread snap cookie. I love the um, idea of that. I'm, I'm going to grab some of that uh, when I come back next week. And it's nice. I mean, it's slight, I mean, it's a different flavor. You can definitely taste the regular blend in there, but it adds a nice, I wouldn't say robust, but I mean, there's there's a, a really nice new body that comes with mm-hmm. it that's different. It's something that's unique of decaf and also something that's unique of that particular coffee. <laughs> um, what I find with decaf, to go back to the roasting, is that I can't do really light roast with it. You mm-hmm. do start tasting more of the decaffeinated flavor there's something and I don't interesting um I feel like I need to take notes that aren't on the radio about this to sure sort yeah. out some changes with decaf so maybe in the new year we can do a little yeah, I'd certainly be we can experiment with exploring it exploring it seems like the moisture so, content would lend it because it's a lower moisture content and it, it's more consistent with decaf coffee that 
compared to regular green coffee. So the drying stage of the roasting process, the first third or so, would be shorter because you don't need as much, there's not as much moisture to dry out. So maybe the fact that decaf coffee, inherently because the processing would lend itself to being baked. My, my understanding with the process, and maybe I, I completely misunderstood this, uh, is that when they, because they have to dry the coffee back out right. after they remove the caffeine because they've added the moisture at the beginning and they dry it out later. My understanding is they dry it out to the same moisture level yeah, as before mm-hmm. um, for, for hmm. and, and that's how they maintain, one of the ways they maintain consistency. Right, and that would make flavor. sense, I guess. Uh, I mean, you're still... Well, maybe that drying process, I mean, there could be some chemical changes that are actually occurring to make it... You're still obviously missing a component of the bean. The right. caffeine molecules aren't there anymore. Right. Uh, and, and it does... Uh, well, I, I guess I asked I asked the fellows afterwards who were doing the testing. I asked them if if the roasting was different, and they um, they seemed to think it wasn't that different. Um, it's slightly different, but not that different from. Yeah. from I noticed first first crack comes a little sooner. Mm. You know, so one one comment I received from from uh, one of them is that uh, once once it's roasted, it it progresses much faster than that's true. Not decaf coffee. Yeah. So you need to, cons- you need to it, like, four weeks is too long, maybe two weeks. Well, I find that even, we do a pretty, you know, pretty solid medium roast mm-hmm. for one of our decaf blends, and it, um, it the oils show up on a lot quicker. You know, the second crack starts, I don't know, like four or five mm-hmm. degrees sooner, it seems like. So, you mm-hmm. know, what a solid medium roast is for the decaf would be well, kind of light to medium for a regular coffee, as far as, you know, our thermocoupler and... And temperatures. Um, yeah, it's 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 fascinating that through all the all the knowledge right. of the science that goes into it, there are still like weird unknowns. Right. But well, isn't that great I mean, about coffee? That's that the is, whole point. It's, and uh, I mean, it comes down to it's it's a still amazing right. tasting coffee. So. I think this is probably the first time I felt like the more you look at the science of coffee, mm-hmm. the more you're actually getting out of mm-hmm. you can actually take out of that green coffee process to lead to the roaster. So much what I find with the scientific aspect of coffee is it's all after the fact. Mm-hmm. You know, you take your TDS of a cup of coffee, what does that mean? You know, okay, well, that was the perfect brew, or that was a little, you know, you can adjust things, but it's all retrospective. You know, yeah. so then to take that same, you know, the change or whatever and take that and brew it again, you're going to end up with a different readout of the total dissolved solids. Right. Um, so the scientific, you can you can measure it after the fact, but to go and say, okay, well, last time we did this, we're going to take those facts and go back here. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yes, the rules of consistency thumb. Consistency is... Yeah, is, but as far as the consistency and the other variables that come in there. And so I, I sort of distrust and don't necessarily start off, I guess, saying, mm-hmm. you know, going into the scientific. But it seems like with decaf that... But at least at least the Swiss water people right. have their have their thumb on the pulse, right. as it were. It's reassuring that decaf could be amazing. Yeah. So, that's cool. We need to do some blind cuppings. Yeah. We should... Uh, we should not tell we people. We should start doing So that more. they can be blind. We should poke them in the eye. From <laughs> <laughs> decaf because they're blind. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, there was another thing, um, a little little insight we got uh, from the tour, because uh, because the the fellow who's in charge of their whole process of refining everything, um, you know, the whole scientific endeavor, um, was was talking a whole lot about water activity level right? the humidity and the green bean and and his his comments made it um, cl- 
clear that one of the reasons that coffee has been, and this was an observation by Fake John here, one of the reasons that coffee has been so um, prevalent in like Seattle and the Pacific Northwest and why I kind of grew out of here is because the environment here is almost perfect for um, <laughs> longevity and stability like of green, green coffee. Beans, right. Yeah. You don't so, have the temperature fluctuates and you don't have the humidity, you don't have the blast of... Well, we do have some humidity, but it's the right humidity. Well, but uh, the blast of humidity yeah. like coming through. I know uh, roasters in Colorado, mm-hmm. and when there's big thunderheads brewing and, and the, you know, the barometric pressure just so, climbs anyways, up. That's a subject for a future episode, a future issue. Um, y'all should stay tuned. Uh, we're just beginning the third year of Coffee Lovers Magazine, Holy and God. we're in the middle of the first quarter of Coffee Lovers Radio. <laughs> First half? I don't know. Where we are. Anyways. First year. Yeah, thank you for listening. Here's another awkward ending for you. So, Jesse, do I get paid overtime for this?